Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by iSocialBoost.com. If you're an aspiring outdoorsman or woman looking to grow your brand or make an impact in the hunting industry, you're looking to make a name for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of this great industry, right? Well, let me tell you, iSocialBoost has you covered. I created a second page. It's called A Hunter's Legacy, and I did that just to see if iSocialBoost actually worked. So I think I post like every other day, if that, and I have 10,000 followers in like three months time with very minimal effort. So if you actually put some effort into it, iSocialBoost will work wonders for you. It attracts people, your target demographic, your followers based off of shared hashtags. So the things that they're interested in, that's how you set your page up. You have shared interest. They're real followers. It's not some robot scheme. So if you're interested, go to isocialboost.com, use my promo code LONESTAR, and you'll get 80% off the first week. That's 80% off, no strings attached, cancel at any time. That's the beauty of it, so you take no risk. If it doesn't work for you, but I know it will, but if it doesn't, for some crazy reason, uh, then just cancel, isocialboost.com. It's New Year's Day here on the border, and it's always been this way I never do the things I order I think I'll stay It's New Year's Day Good morning, good morning, good morning Of course it had to be Charlie Robinson New Year's Day Kicking things off for us On the Lone Star Outdoors Show Powered by Dallas Safari Club I'm your host Cable Smith As we are kicking off 2019 in style Right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, longtime presenting sponsors. Thanks to each one of you guys and gals for kicking off the new year with me right here. We're talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. So, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. Or, hey... Hey, maybe you've got some eggnog left over, maybe some apple cider, all great choices over the holiday season. Maybe you spike it with a little bit of that Jack Daniels. Hey, that's okay too. Whatever the case, pour yourself another cup because we're ready to rock and roll and off the top, we're going to hear one of the most, uh, I don't want to say gross because I've eaten it and it's actually delicious, but if you can wrap your mind around eating testicles, <laughs> which... Many of us have had calf fries over the years, and I certainly enjoy those. We're taking it a step further with our friend Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors. He's got a camp favorite that folks at the Pavor Lodge there in Seymour, Texas can't get enough of. And I know because I've seen it firsthand. When Greg makes his wild boar testicles, there's never any leftovers. And uh, say what you want. Maybe you're turning your nose up at the idea of eating testicles, but we're going to hear his recipe here today. And I guarantee you, it's one of those don't knock it till you try it things because they are phenomenal. So uh, we're going to talk boar balls here momentarily. Then we will spend quite a bit of time with uh, an old friend of mine. Uh, his name is Lorne Storak. And he actually was my guide on an Alberta black bear hunt some five or so years ago. I think he was just a strapping young 19 or 20 year old at the time. But since then... He has pursued his dream and is now outfitting full-time in the Yukon and Northwest Territories. 
Now, this is the kind of job that, you know, if I didn't have a wife and kids, well, this would interest me. Talk about exploring the last great unknown. Uh, I think that those places, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Alaska are the last great frontiers. And uh, you, you never know what is going to happen when you are so far removed from civilization. The wild <laughs> is something that you cannot underestimate. And so we'll discuss some of the more harrowing, more nerve-wracking experiences that Lorne has had, many of which are the direct result of encounters with grizzly bears. And we'll mix in some doll sheep hunting as well, among other things. It's going to be wild. It's going to be an adventure. Certainly looking forward to visiting with Lorne as we live vicariously through his career choice. Uh, so that is what is on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. A uh, couple other things to mention here. Don't forget that our December photo of the month contest going on right now. We've got the Lone Star Beer cooler cap t-shirt and I think that's all that's in this month's prize pack. Uh, but send in your photos, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Better yet, tag me on Facebook or Instagram. We'll get you entered into this month's contest. And then our, our winners from 2018 will square off at the end of the year, like literally in a couple weeks here, for a chance to hunt Trophy Black Buck or Axis Deer with me at Coons Canyon Ranch. Also, I want to remind you about our duck mount giveaway that we've got going on right now. It's through our good friends over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. And we're giving away a duck mount. That's right. So you waterfowlers out there, Here's what you do. You use the hashtag duck mount giveaway on Instagram, or you can post your duck hunting photo, your favorite one, because everyone gets one entry uh, to our Facebook page, or email it if you want. You can do that as well. And just make sure you mention that it's for the duck mount giveaway, and Rustic Reminders will be mounting a duck for one of you guys or gals uh, coming up here in the near future. Uh, what else here? Oh, yeah. John X Safaris, 2019. It's the Lone Star Outdoors show, third annual trip to South Africa. If you're interested in joining me on the safari hunt of a lifetime, shoot me an email, lonestaroutdoorsshow at gmail.com. I think I've got two spots left, and we'll get you sorted out and uh, you know see if that is something that you actually want to pursue because it is a hell of a trip. I guarantee you that gets in your blood, and you'll want to go back as soon as possible. So that's the uh, John X Safari's trip. It's June 7th through the 15th, so save the date. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Havilon Barracuda fillet knife, and this, this knife's awesome. You can actually use a bone saw with it if you want to take that fillet blade off. Very versatile. We're going to give it away to, well, we'll just make everyone eligible to enter. Just email in the word Havilon. That's Havilon to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and we'll get you entered into this week's giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, we're joined by our friend Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors for a culinary treat that will leave your taste buds hungry for more. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Boy Scouts are selling tickets to an enchilada dinner. Well, they'll raffle off a shotgun by chance be a winner. All the news, it ain't the news, but it's all you need to know. When your whole world turns around the sound of small town radio. 
Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800 9 Go hunt or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Stop smoking cigarettes and gave up drinking to forget. And they say old habits die hard. They seem to be the hardest part. I quit lying and taking bets, but some addictions you can't quit when it comes to you. There's a little Flatland Calvary bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Happy New Year's to you and yours. Thank you so much for being here. As we're all set to get into one of the most divinely delicious wild game dishes that I've ever eaten, one that if you can just mentally get past where it comes from, then you're in for a culinary treat, to say the least. Uh, so our friend Greg Pavor. We'll be here momentarily, but first, this segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. If you haven't seen the Big Chingone, you need to check it out. It's Henry's favorite. There's plenty of room in this blind for me, Henry, his iPad, of course, uh, but drinks. I mean, it's got shelves. It's got cup holders. It's carpeted, and actually, there's room enough for Henry, myself, and the twins to all sit in there comfortably. It's the Big Chingone, and you can find it at All Seasons feeders.com all right well uh, let's bring back our longtime pal uh he's someone who i've been hunting and fishing with for 12 13 i don't know 15 years greg and i met looking at teal decoys years and years ago i was a senior at north texas and he was a senior in high school in denton and we became fast friends and hunting buddies and um it's like he's one of those guys who i might only see a couple times a year but it's a friendship that never skips a beat despite uh, the limited amount of time we get to spend together. With that being said, let's bring him on now. Greg, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, good morning, Cable. Always good talking with you. Absolutely, brother. So no recent rattlesnake bites or crappie fins getting buried into your shin that require surgery? Man, not, not lately. Knock on wood. <laughs> I'm, uh, that's for sure, but it sounds like you're getting a dose I'm uh, all sorts of getting beaten up this year. Oh, yeah. But that's just because I'm old, you know, not because wild animals keep attacking me. So. Gosh, dang it. Yeah, well, yeah. tries to kill you and make you stronger, they say. Maybe you'd be one tough guy one of these days. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're actually on the water today, so what are you doing? Yeah, I'm on the lake right now just catching some bait and doing some scouting for a trip tomorrow. Been 
busy hunting this month and I'm uh gotta catch some gotta catch some bait for a fishing trip tomorrow. Dude, crappie or catfish? I guess probably catfish. catfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, it's a good time of year to catch the big ones. Yeah. And we've talked about that in the past and we can we can head out in a little bit this morning. Um I know you, you like to get up at those wind blown points and that's one thing that always sticks with me as far as uh, this time of year and, and where those catfish are going to be going, you know, feeding feeding frenzies, chasing those baits. What kind of bait are you using? Shad. Mm-hmm. Is it cut? or Catching shad. And cut, yep, cut shad. And that's why those windbone points, you know, push those shad up on those points. And especially, you know, where you find some shallow water next to some deep water. Um, what If you, you could know. describe the ideal bait fish, like as far as the size. Yeah, you know, kind of sometimes they prefer... Uh, different sizes, but, you know, good, you know, six, seven-inch shad is about what you want. You can get about a couple baits out of that, cut them up. You know, the bigger the shad, the more blood you got, the more scent. You know, if the two, three-inch shad don't have much scent and smell and blood, so those are um, my least preferred. Um, but sometimes in the winter, uh, they could be hard to catch. you got to take whatever you got. But a little, a little bigger bait, the better, because more scent. And that's why the fr- fresh-cut bait's always better for catfish. You betcha. Mm-hmm. Fresh is key. Yeah. Okay. And and you said this is a good time to catch the big ones. Oh, yeah. Yep. The wintertime, you'll start seeing people posting in the winter more big blues and the bigger catfish. And um, the wintertime is the best time. You know, summertime comes, everybody wants to go fishing. And I said, well, dude, you already missed the whole good time of go fishing. <laughs> yeah, the winter and the spring is the best. The summer is horrible. Yeah. We're not horrible, but not as, not as good. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, you don't know what you're going to catch on a day like today. And so when you when you you know head into those those areas those windbone points that you like to target, are you after blues or channels or is it a mixed bag? Mostly blues. Uh, a lot of lakes I fish on have mostly blues, so I'm uh, I target them more. And plus they get bigger than the channels, and everybody oh, yeah. wants you know go after and catch one of those great big old uh, fish. Well, let's talk about uh, this latest recipe. It's one that you've actually cooked for me, and and I was pretty surprised that it was enjoyable. And I guess there's no way to sugarcoat it. We're talking about boar testicles, and you like to call them your boar balls. Uh, What in the hell made you think that this would be a good idea, first of all? Because anybody who's shot a big boar knows uh, they're not the most uh, pleasant-smelling animals on the face of God's green earth. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, you know how it all got started is, you know, how, I actually. How had many beers of, did you had the first time? Is a good. You question. know, actually none. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one talked into it. <laughs> um, uh, I actually had um, uh, some clients, and um, uh, I was cleaning one of their big old boars, and these guys were from Iowa, and they still follow, you know, still come down and follow me on Facebook and everything, and make these comments, but um, uh, I was cleaning up one of their boars and uh, had the cooler open, and they're standing around. I'm pitching in the back straps, pitching in the tenderloins and this and that. And, you know, I always get a couple, you know, one, you know, one or two of the testicles and act like I'm pitching it in there or something, and people always yell at me <laughs> before they get in the cooler, you know? <laughs> well, this group of guys, I did it, and they didn't say nothing. So I actually threw them in the cooler. And they still didn't say nothing. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, you know, it backfired on me. And, and then as I made a comment, and they're like, oh, man, pig nuts are good. They're real good eating. I said, okay, whatever, y'all messing with me now. And they're like, no, we're serious. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, you know, I started, well, you know, forgetting about it. 
and then uh, they start telling me how to cook them. And they're I from said, Iowa? They're from Iowa. And I thought and, we uh, had rednecks down here. <laughs> they had they had a show us they had to show us how to redneck the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they pulled a new one on me, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, and they told me the recipe and how to cook it, and I told them I said, you know what, everything you just said, all the ingredients are in my house. You're trying to tell me if I go inside and cut these up and cook them, y'all gonna eat them? And they said, heck yeah. I said, all right, we're doing it. <laughs> then, I, then I realized, man, they're serious, you know? So I go in the house and cook them up, and, man, I could not tell the difference between uh, hog balls and, and cow nuts. Yeah. Uh, cow fries, tell you the truth, and they ate them up, and they were delicious. So ever since then, you know, I've been getting all these people asking about them and this and that, and a lot of people say they never try them. Everyone talking about trying them, and people love them. Uh, they're they're not bad at all. They're a really good appetizer, and um, and every time I cook them now, they're all gone. There's no leftovers. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and you know, I do like calf rice. You know, bull balls are pretty good, <laughs> and the best ones I've ever had are at uh, Mary's Cafe in Strawn, Texas. Pretty famous place there. You get an ice cold Lone Star and some um, testicles. And then I would say that that changed when I had yours. And you actually had some some uh, calf fries there too to go along with the the boar balls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Sometimes I honestly, some people yeah, I couldn't tell a tell. I couldn't really tell a difference, Greg. They were both great. No. Mild taste. You know, there's, there's not an overpowering flavor, which is kind of surprising. You think about all the testosterone running through those big boars, especially. <laughs> and you, you know where that comes from, and to think about eating it, I, a lot of people can't wrap their minds around that. Uh, but it's like it's like any other, um, you know, organ meat or some of the more obscure things that you and I think are delicious. A lot of people think that they're bad, but that's just because they're not willing to try them. Uh, so I thought you were kidding when you said oh, I'm going to cook up some boar nuts, and I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll try anything once, especially if I've had a few Lone Stars. So sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you try anything. <laughs> yeah. So the, that's I think right. that's when the the guys come to, uh, come down from Missouri, Sean and uh, our friends there, and I think the first year is when we ate the bobcat, and then this last this yep. last year we. We tried the the boar testicles, so I don't know what you're gonna. You gotta get something for us because we're coming back in January. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to try something else crazy. Yep, yep. I have to think of something for y'all. Y'all are a tough group. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all have experienced a lot. Iron guts. That's what we have. <laughs> yeah, there so. you go. Well, so talk yep. about how you how you actually prepare them, Greg. And it and it it's whether it's you know boar or or a bull, um, it's the same recipe. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, uh, so you know, you just cut the cut the nuts out of the pig, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, you got you know, you'll have two of them, and they're they are both separate. You're not in one one big sack, both of them together, and I'm, uh, you cut each nut out, and then you I'm, uh, make you a little slit, in it, and then you got to peel the sack. Um, uh, and you actually that that meat the ball will come out of the sack, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't eat the sack. You gotta you gotta peel it out. And then once you got it, you would almost think of like brains or something, like the color. Um, and it just, it's kind of, I couldn't really compare it to much else. It's kind of mushy a little bit. But, um, and then you you just slice that up um, into about, you know, quarter to half inch pieces. Get you a bowl of milk. 
can put them in the milk. And this is what, one thing I kind of like a lot is um, get your best uh, Creole, like Tony's. I really like, um, especially for this and fish, is uh, Steamboat Bills. Mm-hmm. It's down there in Louisiana, a real famous place. But uh, if anyone ever crosses past through there, get their Creole. Uh, Tony's or whatever your favorite Creole, put it in the milk and then put those uh, pieces of balls in there and just let them soak for 30 minutes. Okay. And then get you another bowl and put some flour in there and then put your Creole, black pepper, you know, garlic powder, um, just some kind of, you know, just like you're making up a fish batter, but use flour. And then um, dip those, get those pieces of of boar nuts and then put them in that flour and and put it all around it shake it up and then and then deep fry them just like catfish and uh, once it gets golden brown um they're done and i mean you can serve it with as the best where everyone likes it, with a little bit of ranch um you can put dab a ranch on there and put some sriracha on top of it oh my gosh that's good stuff mm, yeah and i can say i've you know actually had it so i can Say Greg isn't lying. It's phenomenal, <laughs> and I, I know there wasn't any left when you made it for our group. It was uh, it went pretty quick. Everyone's like, "We're really eating boar balls. These are great. Let's eat some more." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, cooking them up more and more. And you got people that take them home, want to cook them up for their their family and friends. You know, it's getting more popular. That's for sure. And, and you get a you get a hundred fifty two hundred pound boar. You got some uh, pretty big nuts on them, you know. Yeah. I'm, uh, oh, no, that's just, that's I'll, biology, I'll but yeah, yeah. People. <laughs> <laughs> Never terms, yeah. yeah. And then you got to have um, some big nuts to try it, so it goes hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's, you know, if you eat enough of them, maybe you'll get some bigger ones. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Well, but, you know, I wanted to have this conversation. Yeah, it's funny, and we had a good time, but it, it, I think it's all about pushing the envelope on on food. And since that's a big part of, obviously, why we hunt, why we fish, is to put food on the table uh, and to use these parts of the animal that people used to use 200 years ago, 300, for throughout the history of mankind. They didn't waste anything. That's a modern phenomenon where we actually just take the choice cuts out of the animal and everything else we call coyote bait. So uh, trying to change that um, I think is is always a good thing, and and certainly that's what we're doing here. So people will just uh, – and I imagine you could try it with the whitetail, although I don't know during the rut if that would be the, the greatest, but <laughs> – Maybe we'll try that on a – Maybe we'll have to there. try something like that out, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it is true. You know, I try not to waste as much as possible. And, you know, humans, we got everything backwards. You know, you see a dead animal on the road or you go shoot your deer and leave it out there or whatnot. Or, you know, these coyotes and these other animals, they all go for the guts first. Yeah. That's where, you know, all the nutrients is. They're not going to go after the back strap. They're not going to go and rip out the tenderloin first. Um, uh, you know, all the high nutrient nutrients in an animal – is in some of these organ meats, mm-hmm. the heart, the liver, and intestines and stuff. Have you tried to whitetail kidneys lately, or have you ever messed with those? <laughs> I tried them once. That was a little rough. Yeah. Um, uh, did you I, take? I did try them with someone else, and and those <laughs> those those taste like urine. <laughs> well, did you did you take the sack off the right way and everything? 
Maybe we'll eat that. Maybe we'll do that. That might be what we have to do. pieces, and that, that was a little rough. But <laughs> you have to show me that one. Yeah. I you tell me, and I tried it. Yeah. That that was a little rough on that. Uh, I'm going to cook them for I'll bring some when I come up there, and we'll, we'll do it the right way, because they're pretty good, actually. You have so. to show me. I remember you telling me that. That'd be neat to, neat to try. You're well, <laughs> I know we're going to kill some boars and drink some beers and have a good time coming up here in January. Um, if folks want to book a hog hunt or a duck hunt or a fishing trip with you, Greg, where can they do that? Then call me at 940-206-6375 or check me out on my website at P, like you're peeing outdoors, peoutdoors.com. Uh, and they can also look me up on my Facebook, um, at Pavor Outdoors, P-A-V-U-R Outdoors. So. Instagram too, and see what I'm doing. But yeah, out of all seriousness, the you know the board nuts are a really good appetizer um, and a good conversation piece if you got some people over or at a hunting camp. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, man, certainly appreciate it, Greg. We look forward to seeing you very soon, brother. Yeah, always good talking with you, Cable. And look forward to seeing you next month. Yes, indeed, my friend. Uh, there he goes, Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors. A good friend. I hope you all enjoyed that one. Uh, sure, it's uh, it's shocking to, to say we're going to eat boar testicles, but I can personally say uh, absolutely delicious, and I'm looking forward to chowing down on some of those uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you're not going to find wild boar balls, but you are going to find the best barbecue this side of the Mason-Dixon line. Stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner after the hunt and enjoy Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. We'll be right back with Lorne Storak, uh, a young man who I had the pleasure of meeting on a black bear hunt in Alberta, Canada uh, some four or five years ago. Uh, He's now doing his own thing up in the Yukon and the Northwest Territories. He's got some harrowing grizzly bear tales to share with us. We'll do that next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Have you been looking for new and innovative products in the shooting industry? Then check out IOTA. Their scope rings and stocks are second to none, especially with their patented zero light and key lock technology. Based right here in Texas, check them out at iotaoutdoors.com or call 979-229-4664. IOTA Outdoors, inspiring innovation for hunting and shooting. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the biggest fool of all? I bet you could take a guess. All you gotta do is reflect. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer, 
and Hoff Power Polaris as well. That's the latest from Randall King. Mirror Mirror is the name of that one. A great tune there. Uh, thanks again to each one of you guys and gals out there for tuning in today. Certainly appreciate it as we are all set to head up to, well, along with Alaska, I would call the Yukon and the Northwest Territories the last great frontiers. Uh, all places that I desperately want to hunt and intend to hunt in the not-too-distant future, that's for sure. Uh, and we'll be joined by a personal friend of mine who I met black bear hunting years ago up in Alberta. He has since become a full-time guide in the Yukon and Northwest Territories. So uh, Lauren Storak will be here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by Horizon Firearms. If you're looking for that tack driver, that custom rifle, the one gun that when you open the safe, you're going to say, yep. That's the only one that I really need. <laughs> the one that you're going to take to the Yukon or to Alaska. Well, then you need to give Horizon a call because they will spec out your rifle exactly how you want it. And not only will it be a thing of beauty, but it will be the most reliable and accurate rifle that you'll ever wrap that itchy trigger finger around. Guarantee it. You can find them at horizonfirearms.com. Uh, let's go ahead and head up to white horse a uh, i think it's like the last bastion of civilization up there in the yukon uh, that's where lorne storak our good friend joins us from now lorne hey man it's been a long time but it is certainly great to visit with you brother hey cable thanks for having me so we go back a ways it was my first bear hunt in alberta i think that was god had to be 2000 i'm thinking 2013 or 2014 and uh, I was hunting there with McKinnon Outfitters, and you were, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, you do all the work, but essentially you're like the Outfitters grunt, because I don't think of anything less um, glamorous than being a black bear, a spring black bear guide, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. Overbait I mean, anyway, uh, yeah. Overbait, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've since switched to spot and stock. It's a lot more glamorous, but uh, <laughs> yeah, doing the baited black bear hunts, I mean, it's pretty stinky, dirty, nasty work. Yeah, so just for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, um, so my friend Glenn and I get paired up. It's a two-on-one hunt, and we, we're, uh, I don't want to say stuck with you, because we obviously had a great time, and, and you put us on some uh, great bears, but fate, you know, whatever. We ended up with you, and I don't know, you were a pretty brash, what, 20-year-old kid at the time? Yeah, I don't even think so. I think I would have been 19 at the time. Wow. <laughs> and was outfitting something that you always wanted to do? Um, my older brother, he got into it, um, obviously, when I was a lot younger. And we just we grew up hunting and trapping. It became just part of our life and who we were. Mm -hmm. And once I graduated, I knew I wasn't going to post-secondary. And he said, do you want to come to the Yukon and be a wrangler? I said, absolutely. No better, no better thing in my mind to do. Mm-hmm. So he got me into it, and it just became a passion of mine. And uh, till this day, it just still consumes me. Mm -hmm. And so the black bear thing was just kind of paying your dues until you could latch on to somewhere in the Yukon? So kind of the way the Yukon season works is uh, August 1st until the end of September. That's kind of your main hunting season up here. So to be a full-time guide in Canada anyways, you have to kind of pair it up with the spring bear season a season up north, which would be like your sheep, grizzly, caribou, moose, and then uh, a fall season. 
So whether that's, uh, you know, whitetail or hunting more moose down south, whatever it'll be. Mm-hmm. So to be a full-time guide, that's what I had to do. So I was at the time just filling my springs with the baited bear hunts, which led me to you. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know how many strings you had, but basically we'd head out of camp and hop in your truck and you'd have a four-wheeler in the in the bed of the truck. And we'd go to one of your strings. It could be 15 minutes, could be 45 minutes. Um, and that's sure, what, like, yeah. you talk about something stinky. Uh, you guys actually buy, uh, the guides would buy rancid beaver tails, I guess, from, from fur trappers um, who had no other use for them. And, and then you would basically let those things rot and ferment and then use those as the main attractant for these bears mixed in with, you know, expired, like, cream filling and donut filling and all sorts of other sweet things that uh, had run out, run past their expiration date. The stinkier, the better, as gross as that sounds. I mean, uh, <laughs> I remember one guy, Scott, he went to, uh, we'd put him in 45-gallon drums, and there'd be a lid on the top, and he went to pop the lid on one of those, and it was so pressured up with the gases rotting from the beaver that, I mean, that lid of that barrel drum flew about 20, 30 feet in the air, oh. and just juices came down and hosed them head to toe, oh. and... uh absolutely you cannot get that smell out of you i don't care what you do what you bath in i honestly think it get it's worse than getting sprayed by a skunk oh give me the skunk so give me the skunk that was kind of the turning point where i knew i i, I had to get out of this baited bear <laughs> but uh well you were good at it man because uh i think i shot a sow on my first day with a bow and then i sat, I sat a couple days and you know i, I kind of wanted to hold out for a big one my friend glenn he just he didn't really like being in a tree stand, so he shot the first two things that walked in, and then yeah. uh, and then he sat over a wolf bait the rest of the time. But um, you asked me like on day four, you want to go after a big one, and I said, well, Lauren, how do you know you don't you don't have a trail camera at this bait? How do you know there's a big one? And I guess you'd put a, you know you guys have these 55 gallon drums chained to trees up there in, in the boreal forest, and you're like, well, I don't have a camera, but I know something big ripped this 55 gallon drum and haul it off into the woods ripped it off the tree so uh we i think what, how many kilometers did we have to go back you said it's going to be an uncomfortable ride uh, and I think yeah it was a it was a haul it was about uh it was 21 kilometers back in there but we had to go through a lot of swamp and muskeg it wasn't a nice ride <laughs> yeah. by any means at all it was a lot nicer with a you know a borderline um boone and crockett black bear on the on the back of that thing coming out of there. I can't, well, actually we put it on the front. Um, but, but yeah, you, you were right. And sure enough, it wasn't a, probably an hour after you left and here he comes sauntering in. And I know I showed you the footage. I let him almost walk away cause I was so enthralled with watching him and how big he was. And I was videoing and thank God he came back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's full mounted. I'm looking at him in the studio right here. So yeah, he's a beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, a little bit about our our history and and you know spring black bear. Um, I want to talk more about what you do now. And uh, you're not a wrangler anymore. I know you, you all of you guys are are horsemen, but uh, you're a full you know you're an outfitter in the Yukon, correct? I'm. Uh, I started originally in the Yukon, in one of the northern territories in the Peel watershed, um, Woodrig Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my brothers or sorry, my older brother, we started doing that back in 2012. He had worked there previously uh, for a couple of years. And then uh, a company by the name of Arctic Red Rivers, they were bringing in horses for for the first time since the 80s. Now, in the 80s, 
cowboys brought horses in and every single one of them died Mm. um this trail it's a long rough rugged trail it's just under 300 miles from the nearest road now when i say road i mean it's kind of a chicken trail leading through the bush (laughs) and it's it's rough rugged wild i mean it truly is there's no other place i can guarantee you like this left in north america and uh so we've seen it as a challenge they brought horses in and the next year they needed uh kind of a horse crew Mm-hmm. So my brother and I, we signed up and said, yeah, we know the trail, you know, leading up to about, you know, 30 miles before the border, the NWT border. And so we jumped on and we took on a bunch of brand new horses and we had our fair share of wrecks and, you know. 300 miles you went. Say the least. Yeah. Damn, oh my goodness, Lauren, that's crazy. Um, okay, so so you you did that uh, and, th- and then where did you go from there? That's no small I feat. That's, what, hey, how long did that um, take you, by the way? Well, going in, the horses are fat and out of shape, and so are we, I guess, to say the least. So we do it in <laughs> 10 days going in. Um, we give them a couple of days of rest just to, you know, catch their breath and get their legs back under them. And then coming out, we do it in seven days. Wow. That's incredible. So y'all are averaging, you know, 30 miles a, a day going in. Yeah, sometimes less and sometimes more. I mean, sometimes you've got horses sunk to their necks and you're stuck and pulling them out. And other days it's pretty good ground and you can travel pretty good. Hmm. Okay. Well, so w- w- where are you now today and what are you doing? So today I'm still doing the same thing. This summer I took off, um, I guess a little bit to say the least. I had a beautiful la- little baby girl that was born. Yeah, congratulations, um, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. She's, yeah. she's pretty awesome. Change your um, life, that's well, for sure. I, I, for sure. Um, so I hunted for myself. I got out on a moose hunt with a buddy. I uh, went out for sheep and uh, passed on a lot of good rounds. Found a really good one early in August. Um, put on 64 kilometers on the boots, but it was just too hot. I mean, it was in the 90s. And for me to be able to backpack them out without the meat spoiling, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it ethically, so I passed on them. And then uh, found a really good ram late season, but uh, he was legal. You know, he was eight years old and close to 40-inch ram, which is kind of the magic number for sheep. Uh-huh. Sheep, you're looking for 40-inch ram. Caribou, you're looking for 400-inch caribou. Moose, you're kind of looking for 60-inch moose. That's your magic numbers you're trying to hit. Right. But after being on so many sheep kills throughout the years, I'm looking more so for age. I mean, for them to survive 10 years plus on the mountain, it's truly, that's a miracle. You know, they're they're going through 40 below winters and harsh ruts and, I just have such a tremendous amount of respect for sheep that I would like him a couple of years older, so we let him go. Mm. Well, so how, what does it entail for you to get that tag as a as a resident? Ah, you might kind of hate me for this, but being a Yukon resident, you have to live here and work here for one whole year, and then after that cable, it's really it's just an over the counter tag for sheep, moose, caribou. Mountain goat. Yeah, I kind of hate you. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if yeah, this poor are, Texan uh, would have to shell out about twenty five grand to come hunt uh, sheep with you, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now the kicker is too. Now when I was a Alberta resident, if I wanted to hunt the Yukon, I have to do the exact same thing. I have to go through a legitimate outfitter and pay the same twenty five thousand dollars that you would have to. Wow. Well, so okay, so no, I need to move up to Yukon for like maybe two years. 
You won't like it, brother. It's too cold for you. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. But I think I could I think I could handle it for a chance to cross all of those animals off the old bucket list. Uh, but that is not realistic, obviously. Kids and work and everything else is that ship has sailed, my friend. You got to do that when you're young. But um, absolutely. So so you're you're wrangling um, in the Yukon. So you're doing the same thing, but. I see. It's not. I mean, you're doing more than that because I'm seeing you with all these animals on your back. You're packing them out. You're caping. You're doing all this other oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. So in in 2012, I wrangled in the Yukon, and then 2013 jumped over to the NWT with Arctic Red Rivers. Now, anybody who knows Arctic Red, they're kind of a premier um, sheep and caribou outfit. Mm-hmm. Great moose, but what they shine in is uh, doll sheep and mountain caribou. So. Uh, yeah, I did. I wrangled another season there, and then after that, I got cut loose and I started guiding. And uh, I mean, you'd guide anywhere from, you know, eight sheep and six to eight caribou, and then another handful of moose on there, maybe a wolf or a wolverine on top of that. Um, so you'd, you know, you'd skin out quite a few critters along the way, I guess, and seen a lot of cool country, meet a lot of cool people. And is that what you're still doing today? That is, yeah, yeah. That's where my passion is. Now, eventually. I would like to buy my own hunting area. That's everybody's dream if you want to continue in this. You can only guide, like you said, and be the grunt on the ground for so long doing kind of the not-so-glamorous work before you want to do it for yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you want to own your own business and... Make a living, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, Absolutely. I know you... I mean, to, to get by, I know uh, your off-season job, uh, you plow snow there in, in Whitehorse, Correct. I do. Like I said, in order to do full-time winter work, you have to find something else just to make ends meet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know how expensive hunting gear is. Oh, my God. All that, the guide has to pay for, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go out and rip my brand-new rain gear on the first day, there goes an extra 700 bucks. I got to buy brand-new rain gear. And that comes out of my pocket. You know, every year you're burning through boots, and every couple years, you know, you need a new rifle because it's all smashed to hell, and I mean, backpacks, rain gear, pants, everything, absolutely everything, scalpel blades, knives. I mean, that's all on us, right? So yeah. it costs a lot of money just to go to work every year. Right, right. Well, so out of all the things that you get to hunt or guide now, what what is your favorite? Sheep is still my favorite to this day. Just the physical push, the mental push, mm-hmm. um, the places that it brings you. To me, there is nothing like hunting sheep. You know, even how delicious they taste. I've heard you that. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of of other game. You know, whitetail, moose, everything. And still, I just loved all sheep. It's kind of a little bit sweet taste. Um, the high altitude grasses have ten times the nutrients that the valley floor grass does. Hmm. So in return, it kind of gives it a little bit sweet flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. And you can shoot an old smash broomed up beat up ram and he'll just be tender as could be i mean you'd never know he was an old animal that was fixing to die that winter see lauren you're not the first person that's told me that so um if i ever am lucky enough to to draw a tag or win the lottery and and buy a tag (laughs) uh, i'm certainly looking forward to to trying some of that meat well we do need to work on a quick break let's do that right now when we come back we'll discuss some of lauren's more nerve-wracking experiences during his time as a guide in some of the most remote wildernesses left on the face of God's green earth. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. Uh, DSC is on the front lines fighting for you and I, fighting for 
Hunter's rights, trying to educate the masses out there, and of course, focusing on big game conservation. Uh, we'd love to have you get plugged in with this great group of like-minded folks. To do so, check us out at biggame.org. We'll be right back with more on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. A little bit of love won't fix. It ain't nothing but a scratch. A little bit of love can stitch. It ain't nothing. All right, waterfowl junkies, the finisher is the quick and humane way to dispatch a duck or goose. It's, uh, you know, it's unsettling when you've wrung that bird's neck, you throw it in the pile, and 10 minutes later, he's laying there flopping. Uh -uh. We don't want that. That's not ethical. And so the finisher alleviates that. You stick the finisher in the back of the bird's skull at an upward angle, give it a little twist, boom, dead instantly, never felt the thing. The finisher is only 14 bucks. It fits on any waterfowling lanyard, and you can find it at adrenal-line.com. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. I've been trying to go to church some, but I keep getting intercepted by the ball game on TV. Or Zepco 303 didn't Peter fish for me. And if only the good guy young, one of my favorites from our good friend Max Stalling, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Powered by Dallas Safari Club, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Uh, we've still got our friend and uh, Yukon slash Northwest Territories guide, Lauren Storak, on the phone. Um, if you missed the last segment, Lauren and I met. Actually, he was my guide on a, a black bear hunt in Alberta, I believe in 2014. And Lauren has since moved on to bigger and better things, chasing his dream as an outfitter in some of the most unforgiving and pristine wildernesses left on the planet. Uh, so before we jump back into it with Lauren, though, this segment is proudly brought to you by the Pulsar Trail XP50 Thermal Scope. It's what I've got on my AR. If you're looking to change the game under the cover of darkness, if you're into hog hunting or varmint hunting specifically, check out the Pulsar Trail Series. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. All right. Well, Lauren, we appreciate you sticking around through the break. Let's discuss um, some of the more... Actually, before we talk about your personal experiences, let's revisit a tale that you told me um, while we were in bear camp in Alberta, Canada. And it was actually... Um, an outfitter, a guy that you knew who was guiding a client and essentially they were attacked by a grizzly after taking down a moose. And I don't think the guide had his gun because they actually shot the moose literally from their tent that morning. Uh, one of those, you know, lucky circumstances that turned out to be one of the most unlucky things that they, uh, well, certainly for the hunter that ever happened. Yeah, that, that actually happened in uh border and outfit in the NWT, um, grizzly bear attack. A guy kind of does get desensitized to it. Hunter, you know, Hunter's got his rifle, no big deal. We'll just ferry out these 
meat trips and we'll hammer it out and away you go. Well, essentially the bear ended up stalking them and waiting for them and attacked them and uh, ultimately ended up killing the hunter. Uh-huh. And the following year, almost in the exact same spot, there's a big knob there. Um, so, of course, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. You have the fish and wildlife fly out, you know, the coroner, the police, everybody do a great big investigation. They go out and uh, fish and wildlife believe that they kill this, this grizzly bear in the valley. Well, the next year, the guide and hunter, different guide and hunter, almost in the exact same spot, get attacked again. This time, luckily, they had both their rifles and they were able to kill the kill the bear. Excuse me. Um, now this happens. I hate to say it, Cable, but quite often. I mean, really sad story. Last week or two weeks ago, in the northern Yukon, there was a trapper, and uh, oh, I heard his about wife this. And his little daughter. Yeah. I mean, absolutely devastating. He went out to check his traps. He came back. He left his uh, his wife and daughter there. And uh, as soon as he get, gets back to the cabin, bear charges him. So he pulls out his rifle, kills the bear, only to go up to the cabin and discover that his wife and his 10-month-old daughter have been mauled and killed by a grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely devastating. Now, I took that actually really to heart because with my three-month-old daughter and, you know, my missus, we go out in the wilderness all the time. And this time of year, Cable, we're not thinking about carrying a rifle because it's wintertime. The bears are supposed to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. But we did have a little warm stretch there, and it just happened to catch her off guard. And I mean, absolutely devastating. So it just goes to show you can't ever let your guard down And when you're in the wild. I mean, it's exactly how it sounds. It is wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that is a tragedy, absolute tragedy. Um, but back to the guy, the story you told me, the worst part was was that the <clears throat> the outfitter, the guide, couldn't get a signal out for like three days because of bad weather, and so he had to basically lay there or stay there and keep the varmints and birds off of the, the hunter's body for like three days. How traumatizing would that be? I don't know if I would even go back to guiding after that. Yeah, I mean that that kind of hits you pretty rough. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, to say the least. Just to put now, it with that being said, too. Um, you get bad weather in the northern Mackenzie Mountains, you can't get satellite signal out. I mean, I don't care how bad you try. With the inReach, sometimes it works a little better because I guess they say you only need two satellites instead of three to get a phone call out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I got a stick lodge in my eye a few years back, and I waited three days for a helicopter to come and pluck me out of the bush. They just they couldn't fly with bad weather, and I could get a signal out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pretty much they told me just hang tight and suck it up. So if, um, if an emergency happens, it truly is on you. So to all the guides out there, I'd recommend staying up on your first aid, you know, and don't just take the course, try and practice it throughout the year. If you can jump on another course, just to refresh and cause it could be your life or a client's life on the line. Yeah. And that's when you're playing with lives, it's, it's no joke. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, truly a place that, man, uh, I want to go so bad, but it's so expensive for someone like myself to go up there and hunt. Uh, I think he, it might have been you that told me by the time you get like a bell pepper into the Yukon, it's like a $5 bell pepper. Yeah, it's even more now. It's like closer to $8 now. <laughs> I mean, that puts it into perspective. Just by the time. Yeah. All the logistics and everything. It's insane. Why is it $25,000 to kill a sheep? Well, well, it's expensive. I mean, supply and demand, yes. Obviously, the outfitters, you know, they're making money off of it, and that's great. I'm glad that they are. But if a bell pepper costs $8 to get there, 
then you know why uh, the prices are are so you know seem so high, um, whether it's for doll sheep or another species. Definitely on my bucket list. That and and Alaska, I think, is is probably pretty similar. I haven't been there to either, but uh, they're up there at the top of the list. That's for sure. Uh, so jealous that you get to experience it on a regular basis. That being said, Lauren, let's uh let's talk about a couple of these bear encounters. You posted a picture on Instagram last week, I think it was, of a a hunt, successful hunt from this past season. I think there was two caribou, two doll sheep. Um, I'm trying to think of what else was in that picture. Uh, I know you guys howled in a wolf, and then also in the caption there was a grizzly skull in there, and it said, you know, we had also had to deal with this problem grizzly in camp. So what is a what is a problem grizzly, and when do you draw the line of, well, because you're not supposed to kill them. No, you're I mean, supposed to do everything you can not to. It, it, absolutely, yeah. So when does so it become a situation been, where you do kill them? Kind of the backtrack to the story. I was moving camp, um, and it was real hot. We were kept hitting all these ground hornet nets with these horses. So my horse, he, he went to, to dive into this great big creek, and... Uh, the pack horse beside him jumped into my horse just to try and get these wasps off that were biting him, mm-hmm. cool off in the water. And I flung my leg out of the stirrup, lifted it up. Well, he snapped the butt of my rifle stock in half with his pannier, the pack box. Oh, wow. now, if I didn't move my leg, that would have been my leg snapped in half. So long story short, I, uh, we moved camp there that day, and I'm looking at my rifle, and I've got no butt stock. And I'm like, <laughs> great. Am I going to shoot this thing like a pistol or what, you know? And uh, pretty awkward to shoot. I take a couple shots out of it, and she still goes. And uh, next day, hunters fly in, and uh, Greg Johns out of North Carolina, he brought a little thing of Gorilla Glue for whatever reason. And he said, this will work on your rifle. Promise me. Okay. (laughs) So we glue the thing back together, and it's a little bit off, but it it shoots and seems pretty solid. Uh, That day, we go out and uh, came back to camp with a successful harvest. rams we got back at two in the morning hmm. my older brother he goes down to the creek which is just behind camp and he says okay everybody a bear's been in through camp and it's ate all our food so he said be alert if you're going out anywhere bring a rifle with you that never happens you know we never usually have bears coming into camp they smell us and usually they're pretty respectful and we respect them and so this we were all kind of on edge we go to bed for about three hours and we hear a bunch of rocks getting thrown in the creek so we go down in there, and sure enough, here's this grizzly down in the creek. So we fire off a warning shot at it. Is he messing with the meat cache, or, like, what is he doing? It's just at this point, no, he's just, he got a belly full of food once, and now that he kind of knows that food's there, so mm-hmm. bear keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, we had kept our meat in camp at night. We weren't putting it in the creek mm-hmm. just because of the problem bear. Right, okay. Now, this was a big deal, okay, so we've scared the bear off once. Um, hopefully it, it takes, you know, takes that as a lesson and doesn't come back. Now, we told everybody, this isn't a joke, okay? Bring your rifles when you go to the bathroom. I don't care where you're going. Pack a gun because I don't want to find you with your pants down. That's not in my job description when you're all mauled up and bloody and I got to deal with you. Right. And, you know, a half-naked <laughs> guy. So bring your rifle. Well, one guy, he didn't bring his rifle with him. Sure enough, he's doing his business. He hears a sound. He looks behind him, and that grizzly is literally right behind him. 
I mean, so he books it back to camp, and he said, that bear was right there, right there. I said, where? He said, right there, like right behind me. He said, you got to bring your gun because this is no joke. Yeah. So at midnight. This I'd be rough. taking my gun, your gun. I'd be taking all, if I was going to take a crap, I'd take all the guns with me. <laughs> for sure. No, you got to leave one for me. But uh, it is, it's no joke, you know. Like it, a hungry bear is, is nothing to mess with. And uh, so at midnight, I went down to the creek just to fill my water bottle. And here that bear was. It was kind of right in the little willow bush, right in the middle of the creek. Mm. And it just came out full tilt out of that willow bush, you know, maybe 15 yards in front of us. So I dropped my water bottle and I just picked up the rifle and just started hammering it. And it ran in the bushes and uh, we chased after it, me and a couple hunters, you know, finished the thing off. And I mean, it died literally right in between our camp, right in between all our tents, right, right in between everything, the Mm. heart of where we're living. Wow. Um, Now I could have easily just snatched that hunter up just like that or coming in the middle of the night and, you know, ate all our food again or worse, drug us out of one of our tents. I have a lot of respect for bears. I'm not trying to label them as bad, you know. Yeah. 95% of them are good. They catch your wind. They figure out what you are. They want nothing to do with you. The other 5% of them, they have to be dealt with, and they have to be dealt with in a way to preserve your life. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to work, and nobody goes to work to die. I think probably a lot more bears get killed in this fashion than people realize. For sure. Yep. It's, uh, this isn't a unique thing. I mean, um, the bears have been protected there since the 1980s. So there's kind of a, it's a joke, but it's kind of a sick joke between the guides in the Yukon and the NWT. The bears in the Yukon, typically they're scared of people. Mm -hmm. They see you, they smell you, they're gone. The bears in the NWT, they're kind of becoming desensitized to people because we can't hunt them. There is no fear of man anymore. So they're becoming more and more aggressive and, uh, I mean, showing non-typical bear behavior, like in this next story I'll tell you here. Yeah, Lauren, and I certainly want to hear about it. Um, from what you told me off the air, it's it's fascinating uh, what these bears were doing. We do need to take a quick break, though, so are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? Yes, sir. Perfect. That segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land's the one thing they're not making any more of. We all want a piece of it. So if you're ready to make that dream a reality, Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We'll be right back with more from our good friend and outfitter, Lauren Storak. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I can't believe I can't forget the hardest part hasn't started yet. I don't want to be with this misery. Make it gone. Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway. Hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at liveoakoutdoors.com or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the System Hog Trap. 
Comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts. Just 30 minutes south of DFW, if you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs, you need to give them a call. Hunts are $250 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $150 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Baby drove a car like a highway junkie Stopping just for coffee and cigarettes Long and winding wide line oh, Burning up her wheels with no time to rest Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. And a special thanks to each one of you for spending a part of your holiday season with me. A happy new year to you and yours. Hope that 2019 is the best one yet. I've certainly got big plans to make 2019 an unforgettable one. And I hope you do as well. We're visiting with our good friend and Northwest Territories outfitter, Lauren Storak. Uh, but before we get back into it with Lauren as we're discussing some uh, harrowing grizzly encounters. This segment of the show is proudly brought to you by First Light. If you haven't seen the sanctuary setup, uh, the bibs and jacket, this is the extreme cold weather gear that I wore actually to uh, British Columbia on my trap line trip last February. You talk about cold, temperatures, you know, negative 10 with the, with the wind just absolutely howling. Hmm. That was nice and toasty. So whether you're hunting late-season whitetails or on a trap line somewhere in the great white north, check it out. It's the Sanctuary Bib and Jacket, and you can find it at firstlight.com. All right. Well, Lauren, um, I know you've got another grizzly tale to share, but before the break we were talking about how the, the bears in the Northwest Territories are becoming desensitized to humans. You can't hunt them there, which is absolutely stupid, but, and for that reason, they're not afraid of people. Uh, that was experienced by my friend Derek Ratliff, just to back up here for a second. Uh, him and three buddies went, I think it was to Alaska. It might have been Northwest Territories, but I think it was Alaska this past September. They shot four bulls, uh, caribou. These are barren ground caribou, each one weighing about 450 pounds. And they came home with 80 pounds of meat because the bears took everything else, which is ab absolutely mind-blowing when you think about it. Um, but he said that the bears there expressed literally no fear of humans either. So I know that's what you encounter on a regular basis, and it leads to some serious issues. It's true. Um, so you talk about where a guy draws the line kind of in the dirt. I draw an imaginary line at about 15 yards mm -hmm. or so if, if it's not showing aggressive behavior. If it's got its ears pinned and it's coming straight for me, absolutely start shooting because it's not stopping. Um, but kind of just 
in these situations, trust your guide because he's been around it quite a bit. Most clients, they're they're losing their <laughs> at about 100 yards, you know. Um, they're getting pretty antsy and they want to shoot the thing. And a lot of times it's just a bluff charge. You're, you know, you just happen to be in the same valley and just bump into each other. And it'll kind of circle around and bugger off. But mm-hmm. when they do show bad behavior or just like when your buddy showed, um, when they're starting to figure out that, you know, a gunshot is a dinner bell and they're starting to eat your meat, that's a bad bear, you know. And we got to start hunting bears, you know. BC just closed down their grizzly bear hunting. The lower 48, it's been closed for forever. Alberta's had it closed. Um, The NWT's closed. Really, the Yukon is the last spot. Now, there's an outfitter I just seen who he's battling the BC government. Saw that. He sued him. Um, Absolutely. And and my hat's off to him. And I think we need to back and stay behind him because we need more guys like this who will face the government who are acting out of pure emotion instead of on a factual basis on why hunting bears is good. And they don't want to listen to us. They, They want nothing to do with it. It's easier just to turn a blind eye and, yeah, no, we'll just close it down and will appeal to all these anti-hunters groups who are huge nowadays, and they have a big voice, which is terrible. North America was founded on what? Long before the gold rush, what was North America founded on? Well, the fur trade. trade. I mean, yeah, and I'll tell you an interesting tidbit, Lauren. Um, I've done a lot of research on this, and you probably saw last year I spent some time in B.C. doing a trap line because I'm infatuated by, you know, how do we get to where we are today from where we came from? And so um, it on the, I wanted to get a wolf. So we got a wolf, some lynx, uh, wolverine, coyotes, fisher, all that cool stuff. But I learned that it was Abraham Lincoln who kind of unintentionally killed the fur trade because he started wearing the that black top hat. And at the time, all the men of the era wore a beaver felt hat. And once he wore that, he changed the fashion. Um, and the beaver trade kind of – it didn't die, but, it, you know, essentially – it, it became irrelevant at that point. It's amazing how even back then, just a uh, status symbol can change, you know, kind yeah. of the world yeah. at that time. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, it was the fur trade long before gold or anything else uh, that uh, pushed westward expansion. Absolutely, you're correct on that, 100%. So I think we need to stand behind that and, and continue to back those guys who are doing essentially what we what brought all our ancestors here to north america kind of in a roundabout way mm-hmm. you know we kind of owe it all to the original fur traders yeah well and in bc is just a prime example of i mean how idiotic it is i can't remember the number of uh, bears in bc but it's it's you know i think it's like sixteen thousand or something and uh the hunters were taking like 400 a year what you think about is a drop in the bucket as far as the percentage of the population, and they're taking mature mature boars, which, you know, there's a lot of species out there: alligators, mountain lions, bears, where the biggest threat on the offspring is a mature male of the species. And so, yeah. you're actually doing the species a favor when you're going in there and shooting the oldest of the old um, that are, you know, and if there's a cub, they're killing it. I mean, that's what they do. They're protecting their territory. Absolutely. So, um, there's absolutely an- now. Another really harsh thing when I was, and I've seen this when I was baiting bears. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I don't know why she did this, but uh, I actually seen, it was a, a boar, and it was a sow with two cubs, and he was trying to get in and kill these two cubs. Huh. And the mom, she kept 
fighting off this boar, fighting off this boar. She ran, the one cub got off the tree, and then the one boar, he jumped on the sow's back and started tearing at her. And she was kind of hovering over and trying to protect the cub. Now, this stays with me to this day, and I don't know why she did this, but she actually grabbed her cub by the neck. She shook it, and she killed her own cub. Why? Now, I don't know if she did it, if she thought it would be more humane if she killed her own cub instead of this big boar killing it. I have no idea, Hmm. no idea why she did that. But it just goes to show that Mother Nature is not all picture perfect. You know, like this is actually, this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. People don't see it and it's not advertised, but this is real. That's crazy that she did that. did, Did she end up living? She ended up living, yeah. She ended up fighting off that boar and like i said that one cub was still up the tree mm-hmm. and uh i mean they were both a bloody mess by the end but she actually ran him off and she scooped her cub off and she took off the other way huh. wow. so well she knew something that she you know that we obviously didn't and i imagine that was a better fate than what that uh the other bear would have done to it that boar would have done just, yeah. and just backtracking i did look up <clears throat> while we've been on well, I've been talking here. There's 15,000 grizzly bears in BC, estimated population. So if hunters are killing 400, I knew it was somewhere around that number, but uh, it's, it's... Yeah, I think it's more so around 300 or less than 400 anyways. Yeah. But say if you've got a field cable with 15,000 dandelions, you go out and you pluck 300 or 400 of those really wilted, you know, kind of not so bright dandelions. Are you going to notice that right. those three or 400 are gone? No. And essentially, that's your, your bear numbers, right? You've got 15,000, 16,000 bears, and you're taking three to 400 annually. Mm-hmm. Well, among those three or 400, you're taking, you know, the really old bears that probably won't live or, you know, need to be taken out of the population. They're your cub killers. They're, you know, they're your problem bears. Mm-hmm. Your, your dandelion field is actually going to grow, and you're not going to notice those few hundred gone. Absolutely. I didn't know you were such a... I don't know what to, I don't even know what to say to that. Like a greenie. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't call me a greenie cable. That's fighting words. I know. You, I know. That's what you guys call the, you know, we call We call them the left wings or, you know, bleeding heart liberals here. You guys call them the greenies there. Um, yeah. You also had another experience with a bear. Actually, it was two bears that, um, two bears, yeah. which I found fascinating because of the behavior that they were exhibiting at the time was something that, uh, you, you never hear about with bears ever. So this was another story. I had, uh, had a husband wife with me and I had my youngest brother, uh, Danny with me. We were hiking up and over this pass called Wolverine pass. Now today was, it was July 14th, a couple of years ago. And the season doesn't actually open until the 15th, but, uh, it's beautiful up here. Land of the midnight sun. If you do get on a band of rams, you can just sit on them till midnight, one in the morning still have enough light to shoot mm-hmm. and that would be opening day so that's what we were going to do we had up and over this pass they were pretty tired you know jet lagged and a bunch of travel days so i left them with my younger brother up top and i headed down and kind of around into the next valley and i said if there's anything down here i'll come and get you guys but if there's not you're going to burn a lot of energy and time so just hang out here have a snooze have some lunch and i'll come back for you so i head down and you're kind of heading through this really tight rock creek. And then you come around and it's a hard 90 degree bend. And I look straight down about 100, 120 yards. And there's two bears. Hmm. And they just happen to be in the same really tight rock canyon as me. So 
I see a little exit. There's a little caribou trail that goes up to my left. So I take that, get some high ground. The wind's blowing straight at my back. I think perfect. You know, they'll be able to see me, smell me. They'll bugger right out of here. Well, once I yell at them, they do the opposite. They come straight towards me. Mm. I go, oh, crap. Here they come. Now, so I jack around, and once they get straight below me, which is about... What caliber do you carry, Lauren? What what does the typical guide carry in in the Yukon or Northwest Territories? It varies so much. Um, I've carried just about everything. 4570 is really common. 12 gauge is really common. 30-odd six, 338. Mm -hmm. I was back in a 30-odd six. Okay. All open sights on these? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I jacked that round off in front of that first bear. Want a great big rock. Rock kind of explodes, peppers him and the other bear. Now, that front bear jumps and turns to the other one. Uh, like It was scared it wanted to take off. But the other bear, it wasn't scared. They kind of fed off each other's energy, and they kind of did, did a divide and conquer thing. So that front bear started circling around up and in front of me on top of this hill. And that second bear comes straight up the hill right at me now like i said they were 15 yards right Hmm. so i jack another round in and i'm thinking okay i'm looking at this bear right in front of me now when you can see the whites in a grizzly bear's eyes and hear him breathing he's too close for comfort (laughs) so he's literally he's right in front of me and i think okay if he takes one more step up i'm now in between two full-grown bears if he all he's got to do is just knock me down the hill and i'm dead yeah So I touched off that round and just, thank God, it hit right in the vitals. He tilted over, head over, or uh, straight over backwards. He started rolling. Well, I put two more rounds in him as fast as I could, and uh, he expired. He was dead right there. Now I I turned down to the other bear, and now she's, you know, about 10 yards right down below me, maybe even a little closer, 8 to 10, somewhere in there. I grab a spare round, and I reload as fast as I can, put another round, in the chamber and put it on her now like we were going back to the rules that they say is i have to skin out this bear and write a full report right right i'm about 11 miles in at this point and i've got to hike up and over this path down another one i got to go through a lot of country i mean big bears they're not a light load so i don't want to have to kill the other one what is the what is the law on the meat do you have to take that as well right now you don't have to take meat okay if it's a a self-defense killer, a grizzly bear, you do not have to take meat. Okay. Um, so this other bear, I didn't want to have to kill her. She's no longer acting really aggressive. So I just grabbed a bunch of rocks and I threw them at her and, and hit her with a bunch of rocks until she would eventually run down the creek and go away. Now, when I went up to this bear, when your adrenaline's going and stuff, you're not really thinking and examining animals like you normally would. Sure. Well, when I got to this bear cable... I originally thought that it was a great big sow and an old cub. Well, what it was is this boar, he was an eight foot two bear, nose to tail, which is big for an interior grizzly. Mm-hmm. And he was 28 years old. All his teeth were smashed out. He had nothing. Left. 28 years old. Wow. 28 years old. Now the other sow, so my brother and the hunters, they come running down course seeing what's going on. I tell them the story and I don't think they fully believe me that there was two bears. It sounds like a good story to tell you know, <laughs> right. famous guide tale <laughs> until we were glassing and up out of this creek pops this big sow and she's not a spring chicken she's about a seven foot sow too which is a big interior grizzly so this is 
so totally unusual that you've got a big mature boar and a big sow essentially hunting together. So the only thing, once I filed my report and did everything, that the biologist could think was uh, he was they were kind of hunting together and he was cleaning up her scraps. You know, whatever she would let him eat, he would eat because he was kind of the weaker of the two bears. Hmm. He was. He was absolutely skin and bone and nothing left of him. But to have two big mature boars hunting together, and not only hunting, but hunting a person together, is absolutely unusual. Yeah, because those boars are solitary. Unless it's breeding season, they don't want anything to do with uh, sows or cubs or, you know, they want to be left alone. Absolutely. And especially an old grumpy bear like this. I mean, usually if you come across them, it's a fight and they go on their way and other bear goes on his way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you're out of rut. Everything's, everything about this story is, is unusual and it still baffles me to this day, but Mm. just goes to show, carry your rifle with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys have very strict handgun laws and stuff up there. Um, and so it's probably not that easy to get a permit. If permits were just readily available, or if you just could go like we could and just buy, um, you know, I don't know what, what caliber handgun you would take, but, uh, would you prefer a handgun or still go with the rifle? I would still carry both cable. Um, this is kind of an ongoing battle. The way I see it, my rifle's strapped to my horse. Now, if I'm riding a young horse and I come across a bear and he bucks me off, I'm now piled up in the rocks with a 50-pound backpack and no rifle. Mm-hmm. So if I could carry a handgun at least on me, now I've got some way, a second means to defend myself. Um, I'm still a strong believer in rifle calibers when it comes to bear, but, uh, to have a means of backup, absolutely. I think would be, uh, totally beneficial. Um, I could get one. It takes about a year to apply. Um, you got to go through a whole bunch of paperwork and a psychiatric test and (laughs) Oh, I don't know if you could get one then actually one, you got to be somewhat crazy to be up in in the Yukon doing what you do for a living, man. In a good way. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So I guess that's why I haven't applied, but um, no, I, I think that um, guides actually should be able to carry one. I think it'd be absolutely beneficial. Mm-hmm. Or if, if, say, if the rifle fails or they lose their magazine or, I mean, there's a million things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could have a pistol to back you up, for sure. What, about bear, what, what about bear spray? Bear spray, not effective. If a bear is actually coming to kill you, it's coming to kill you. Um, mm-hmm. I've pepper sprayed a couple bears, kind of when they circle downwind to figure out what they are. Uh, I've touched it off a couple times just so they can, you know, smell it in the wind. Mm-hmm. But uh, typically, if a bear is coming for you, it's because it can't smell you. So if I pepper spray a bear when that wind is blowing hard right in my face, I'm pepper spraying myself <laughs> and the bear. I yeah. mean, it's it's it's, it's no like, good. Hopefully, the bear likes pepper on his human meat sandwich that he's about to eat the old guides they kind of joke about it and they just call it hot sauce (laughs) like you're just putting hot sauce on the meat for the bear oh my god well lauren i certainly enjoyed picking your brain man it's it's uh it's always cool to see how folks that are out there doing it the way that things have always been done uh it's great to visit with you and and catch up man it's been too long and who knows maybe someday um i'll uh I'll have you guiding me on one of those doll sheep. If I win the lottery, you know? You never know. Hopefully sooner <laughs> than later. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. Congrats on that baby girl. 
And if you want to give your uh, Instagram page, uh, folks can check out your photos and, and follow along in some of your adventures up there in the in the Yukon, Northwest Territories. Yeah, absolutely. Check me out on Instagram, Lost in the Moment 12. Cable, thanks again for having me, and uh, hope our paths cross again somewhere in the mountains. Me too, man. Take care. Right on. Take care. All right. There he goes, our buddy Lauren Storak. Uh, like Lauren said, I think he was 19 when he guided Glenn and I on our uh, Alberta black bear hunt. And just, what, four or five years later, he's now a dad. And that country uh, that Lorne makes a living in up there, huh, that'll harden a man. Uh, certainly he's wise beyond his years, um, seeing quite a bit of things that most of us will never experience. Um, that segment of the presentation brought to you by Lone Star Beer. <laughs> Speaking of, I actually took a Lone Star Beer, a couple of them, up to uh, Canada on that black bear hunt, and after we downed that that big boar, Lorne and I celebrated with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Oh, man, just looking at the clock here. Got to go, got to get out of here, flat out of time. Thanks to Lorne, as well as our other guest, Greg Pavor. It was great talking boar balls with him today. We will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying Happy New Year's, and y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Love.